The question, what is an Oasis Church, is right in the centre of one of our circles of inclusion, the O of Oasis. There's bits of it on the wall, and you'll see it on, on the news sheet, etc., etc., the O of Oasis. And that, as many of you will know, is what we call our O of inclusion, our messy O. Inclusion is always messy. It's many-stranded. We worship a God who's diverse. Uh, over the centuries, people turned it into what we call the doctrine of the Trinity, and we say, I'm Trinitarian. What does that really mean? Doctrines can become dead even as we spit them out of our mouths, can't they? What it means is this, that God is a community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, even God, is a community. In fact, God is the original community. What does it mean to say that God is love unless he's got another to love? Love isn't a theory, is it? You could have a PhD in love from Harvard and do postgraduate PhD studies in Yale on love, but unless you had someone to love and give yourself to, you'd know nothing about what love is. God is a community, the eternal community, and a community, not just a, a, not a community of sameness, but of diversity. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three dads, three sons, or a gang of spirits. So, that, diver- that, that community has diversity and is inclusive. And inclusive beca- because of and in spite of difference. It doesn't require sameness to belong. If you've been around for the last two Sundays as we've explored what an Oasis Church is, we've said we are a centred set, not a bounded set. We don't have hard edges. It's not about who's in, who's the same. If you're the same, you fit. If you're not, you're not. We've said that we're a centred set. We're clear about our centre. That's to be Christ-centred. But that means we're inclusive. So, let's let's begin. Um, In the film... uh, the Twin Towers, uh, one of uh, the two towers, Twin Towers. I've just written a book, finished writing a book about radicalization and sent it to the printers this week. So the Twin Towers is in my head for other reasons. The film, The Two Towers, um, from Tolkien's trilogy, um, um, there's a scene in The Two Towers and two hobbits are journeying through a wood their names are Merry and Pippin. Those of you who are fanatics for this will know all this. And as they journey through this dense wood, trying to find their way, they come across what's called an ent. Does anybody know what an ent is? An ent is a talking tree. All the talking trees in the Tolkien films are ents. And uh, these ents used to be keepers of trees. And because they were so pastoral, they became more and more like trees themselves. And now they just look like talking trees. They're very wise and they're very old. And uh, Merry and Pippin stop and ask an Ent the way. And he asks them their name. And they say, we are Merry and we are Pippin. And he tells them the way and he gives them some wisdom. And then they say to him, what's your name? Now his name happens to be Treebeard. Well, you find that out later. But he won't tell them his name. He won't tell them his name at all. And this is what he says. It's worth watching the film just for this. This is what Treebeard says. I'm not going to tell you my name. Not yet, at any rate. For one thing, it would take a long while. My name is growing 
all the time. And I've lived a very long, long time. So my name is like a story. Real names tell you the story of things. It's a brilliant quote, isn't it? And that's like the story of what an Oasis church is. It takes a long time to say it. It takes a long time to say it because it's a story that's grown over years. And I don't mean the years since we've been here. I mean the years, the centuries, the millennia of the biblical record. All the way back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. God calls this one man, as you probably know, and he says to him, come with me and through you... I will bless all the peoples of the whole earth and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. The Quran tells the same story about the call of Abraham. So so, um, the Muslim community and the Christian community and of course the Jewish community, Genesis being a Jewish book, all have this as a foundation. Through you I will bless all people. That's where inclusion comes from. All people of all sorts, tall and short, short, fat and thin, brown and black and pink, people of different persuasions, people of different faiths built into the story, the story being given to the Jewish community, the Christian community and the Islamic community. So Oasis' message of inclusion begins with that. It's a long story, and it takes a long time to tell, which is why we're looking at this over these four weeks. Here's another great quote, um, not from Tolkien. It says this, It is not the church of God that has a mission in the world. It is the mission of God that has a church in the world. It takes a bit of time to get that into your head. What that means is this. It's not our job to think up a mission. What Oasis is about, what Oasis Church is about, what we're about here isn't the result of some think tank that we did last year or we did in preparation for this sermon series. We didn't have a focus group. We didn't go ask people. We didn't kind of ask the congregation what our mission is because the church of God, it's not that the church of God or the church of Oasis here has got a mission in the world. It's that the God of mission has got a church in the world. So in other words, our mission goes right back to those foundations that I'm talking about. And if a church's mission, however much time they spend with a brand agency, however much time they spend with um, some guys who play with words and come up with a neat paragraph, if after consultation your mission statement comes out as anything other than, as God's people, our task is to bless all the people of the whole world, it's wrong however much you paid for it. Um, It's true. Um, When I began as uh, the minister here, which is um, just over a decade ago, we decided that if that was true, this great story of inclusion that runs through the ages, there were three things that we should do. We should aim to be 24-7. That is, always open, never shut. Always giving a welcome to anyone. And we practiced, whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever your story is, 
Whatever your history is, you are always welcome here. We're never shut. We're always open. And you are welcome. And we said we were going to aim at being that. Now, this building wasn't built for 24-7. It's been really difficult. But slowly, 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 we've been moving (coughs) forward towards that. We're just about to make another leap forward again, as I'll show you in a minute. We decided we wanted to be holistic. We didn't believe that the message of Jesus is a kind of disembodied spiritual good news for when you die. It's actually more about life before death than life after death. Not that the Bible hasn't got much to say about life after death, but it's got even more to say about life before death and not just our own lives before death, but our own responsibility for others. We are our brother's keeper. And this good news is not just good news spiritually, but it's good news socially and emotionally and educationally and environmentally. It's good news in terms of employment, etc., etc. And that has shaped this church's mission. So we've begun the secondary school that is here and the primary school across the road and the, the um, children's centre down the road and the farm across the road, etc., etc., etc. Why? Because our mission is Jesus-centered, which means it's holistic. And lastly, it's global. We believe that we've got a global responsibility. That's not being big-headed. It's simply that the church is one around the world, and we've got our part to play in it. So, for instance, on the front of your news sheet this evening, you'll see that um, we're advertising, as we did last week for the first time, our open church conference, which is June the 3rd and 4th this year, are around the matter of LGBT inclusion. We ran something like that last year. It was a pack out here, and we're moving on, and you can see some of the issues that we're going to be addressing. And we're creating a forum for Christian leaders from across the UK and beyond, because these are really important issues for the globe. Not just for here. There are as many gay gay people in... um, the most homophobic society as there are in the UK. Oasis works in Uganda. We work in India. We know that, I know that, because I'm the founder of this organization, that it's hard to pull people through and keep them on the same page. But we must do it. So, what is this? Does anyone know? It's a bit burnt out there. Does anyone know what that is? I hope you do know what it is. What is it, Marion? It's going to be our coffee shop. Oh, thank you. Ah, you were here this morning. You said, Cobb, look, it's going to be our coffee shop. It's just down there. It's it's where all the hoardings are at the moment. And in May, it opens as our coffee shop. Now, that's an early um, artist sketch, and it's changed slightly, but it's going to be glass-fronted, and it's going to be two-tier, and down the bottom is going to be um, a coffee shop. And in the back is going to be the local library. And on the first floor, there's going to be a debt advice center. And on the side, there's going to be the food bank. And then we've got some plans for a legal service that's free, <coughs> etc. But And so that's right. But actually, what is that that we're building and opening in May? This is the answer. It's a piece of our theology. Why do we build a coffee shop? Why? There's lots of coffee shops in the area. 
because we've got to put our theology into action. You see, the coffee shop is actually, to be technical, we're going to zone it off. It's going to be open all day. It's been brilliant that we've developed the school, but actually we have never, even before we ran the school, we've never had one entrance to this place where people could come with any of their worries and concerns at any time of the day or in the evening. We've never had that because the building wasn't built to do that. This is built to do that. It's going to be open from morning, early morning, right the way through the evening. And I hope, eventually, 24 hours a day. And it's going to say what we always intended. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever your story, whatever's going on, you are welcome. And you're welcome here. And most people don't have big crises at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Some, of course, do. They're more likely to have them at 3 o'clock in the morning when life just totally gets on top of them. This is a piece of our theology in action. Let me take you inside it just briefly. So this is looking out to the road. That's where the cafe's going to be, the coffee shop's going to be. Now looking exactly the other way in different colours, I don't know why. These just an artist impression a bit later on. So if you turn down, round, and instead of looking out to the road, you looked in, that's what you'd see. And the orange bit up there is where the local library's going to go. Why are we running the local library and taking on the library from the local authority? Because of our message of inclusion. That's inclusion in terms of literacy. Our inclusion in terms of the ability to read and write. The availability for the job market. All of those things, they matter. Is this a diversion from our mission? No. But you might think it was unless you'd read the book, which is the Bible, which tells us and steers us. So that's what it's going to look like on the ground floor. The blue bits, the coffee shop, the yellow bits, the library, the green bits are the toilets. Then the white bit is the food bank, and there's tons of other stuff, and then there's upstairs. What's this? A very bad picture of me. All pictures of me are bad. (laughs) No one likes looking at themselves. Here's what it actually is piece of our theology maybe (laughs) on my best days perhaps I'm a good example of our theology on my worst days perhaps I'm a bad example of our theology but that's the point you see we can build the best building in the world it can be the best equipped we can have all sorts of stuff happening here and all sorts of people using the premises but in the end it's about us We want to make the building attractional to people. We want to make the building open for people. We want to make the building inviting for people. We want to make the building equipped to meet people's needs. But actually, if we are not those same people exhibiting that same theology, open, committed, attractive, inviting, we end up with a building that's designed for a different kind of people to us, and it won't work. Here's the reading uh, we read together, Mike read. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to catch fish. Come, follow me. And then he met two others, it tells us there. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And then in bold I put, Jesus called them. Come, follow me, he says. Come, follow me. 
Notice the two stages of this. Come, follow me. Come, follow me, says Jesus. Come, follow me. And then Jesus says, and I'll give you a new commission that you'll be catching, uh, catching people. Come, follow me, serve me. Come, follow, serve. So the question for us, if we hold a mirror to ourselves and we recognize that we need to be a piece of Oasis Church theology that's walking and talking wherever we are tomorrow morning, what might people, if we're attractive, if we're inviting, how might they come? Well, our own stories are like this as well. Some people will come to a Sunday service. They stumble into church. They don't really know us. They've just got this thing that they ought to go... (coughs) back to church or try church but other people are brought along by a friend follow me they come a little bit they get interested in coming to a small group or perhaps the being human course and they and they get interested because they begin to say i need to follow i need to know more about this jesus who's so attractive in the lives of others i see what's going on in their lives with a sense of Liberty and purpose and forgiveness and hope and inclusion. I want to be like that. And then they might end up serving in the food bank, for instance. I'm not trying to categorize it. Try a different one. They might come, first of all, to dig on the farm, one of our Saturday digging days or mucking out animals days or planting days. Then the follow me bit might be, hey, I love this farm. I think I'll go along to that evening service or the morning service. I'll go along and find out. And and the act of coming to the service begins the pathway to asking about following. And they end up serving in something like the play space. For instance, I'm not trying to impose any of this. Or it could be that they end up serving as a coach in Hub Athletic, our football team, working with kids in the area. Or it could be that they end up serving in the creche. Or it could be that they end up serving through the community lunch that we do on the farm. Well, actually, through the winter, we do down at play space for all sorts of people in the community. Or it could be that they end up visiting someone. Um, By the way, we've got two cards over there. Alf, those of you part of the morning congregation sometimes, will know Alf. He always sits at the front. Um, he uses sticks. He's been part of the church for about 50 years. And he's in hospital this week. And so we're asking as many people as possible to sign those cards for him so we can deliver to them. Visiting someone is a way of serving. Well, here's a t- totally different way of looking at it. A mum or dad might come and stand on the gates at Johanna School or come, uh, come here And because of getting involved in the school, they might join the choir with Flick on a Tuesday night. In fact, this is true of some people, isn't it? That's exactly what's happened to them. And because they join the choir, they begin to learn about following Jesus through that. And because they begin to learn about following Jesus through the choir, they go on to serve in Hub Athletic. It seems like I'm trying to get everyone to serve in Hub Athletic, but that's not true. We might serve actually just by being the kind of generous person there is around the community. This isn't about (coughs) organized events and you're not serving unless you're on some official rota. But can you see the point is come to Jesus. And we come because something attracts us and someone attracts us. 
And we begin to dig deeper and follow. And then Jesus says, serve with me. Go do something. And that's that bit. Come, follow me, said Jesus, and I will send you out to fish for people. There it is. We come, we follow, we serve, and because we serve, others find something attractive. And they're joining, and they're drawn in as well. Here's this emphasis. Come, follow me, said Jesus, and I will send you out to fish for people. A fishing metaphor for fishermen. That's all it is. He's saying to them, I'm going to transform your horizons. You're going to play at a different level. Your life's going to have a sense of purpose and depth that you never imagined was possible first. And then, it, and then it says this. At once they left their nets and followed him. And about um, the sons of Zebedee, it says this. And immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. Now you could argue this is all a bit rash. You know, so there they are, committed fishermen. Jesus strolls up. He says, come, follow me. And they say, yeah, okay. And they abandon the family business, abandon their livelihood, and they follow him. What's all that about? We need to read all the Gospels. This is um, uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. If you read, when you get home, John's Gospel, chapter 1, second half, it's really interesting because it tells a different story about Simon and his brother Andrew. What happens in John's Gospel, a story that isn't in Matthew's Gospel, but happens before this one, read it for yourselves when you get home, it simply says that John the Baptist saw Jesus and recommended that people listen to him. And then it says that Andrew heard what John the Baptist said and went and spent a day with Jesus. And at the end of the day, it tells you this, he was so impressed that he went home and it says, and he told his brother, Simon Peter, I think I've found the Messiah, the person that's going (coughs) to liberate Israel. I've found the person that it's really worth following. And then he takes his brother, Simon, to see Jesus, and Simon's impressed by him. All of that has happened, and then this happens. Jesus comes to them, fishermen. They're stuck in a rut. I mean, it's a good business, but they're stuck in a rut, and it doesn't really fire them. And Jesus says, come on, follow me. Bring your skills into a different realm. Notice he says, come follow me, and I'll send you out to fish for people. You're going to use the same skills and talents as you've got in a completely different context that transforms it. How many people do you know who say, I'm picking on this group of people, but it could be anyone. I'm I'm an accountant and I hate it. I just hate being an accountant. But I've got to do it for the next 40 years. There's no way out of it. Or, you know, I'm a teacher and I just find it so draining. But I'm a teacher now. Or, the list goes on, doesn't it? The point is this, what often happens in my experience over the years is the accountant who's really bored with being an accountant does the wrong thing. What they do is they reach the age of about 30, 35 and they dump it all together. I'm going to do something completely different with my life. 
They made very often a mistake, I believe. Not always. Sometimes there needs to be a, a total turnaround. But the point is this. What's, what skill has an accountant got? They are great with numbers. They can work magic with numbers. They look at a spreadsheet and it lives. Yeah? Let me say this. A spreadsheet is the theology of an organization in numbers. Just like a building is its theology in bricks and mortar. Read a spreadsheet and you see what really matters to a church or an organization. Our theology is expressed in our bricks and mortar and it's expressed in our spreadsheets. So here's the thing. If you rob this story of its reference to fishermen, what would Jesus say to an accountant? Come, follow me, and I'll help you use spreadsheets for good. It's about gift and context. And often what will happen is someone has all the right gifts, and they're brilliant at it, but they're, doing it, they're using those gifts in the wrong context, and it's slowly draining them. It's killing them bit by bit. But they'll abandon the gifts and go off to do something else. Now, like I say, sometimes somebody needs to do a complete turnaround and do something different. But the question is, what are the gifts and talents that you've got, that I've got, that maybe I'm bored with, but it's because I need to use them in a different context? That's exactly what Jesus says to these guys. Come follow me. I know you're bored. I know that you think life just stretches on and on and on. But I see your strategies. I know you get yourselves organized. Come, follow me. And I'll lift those skills and I'll use them in a different context. That is what it's all about. Come, follow me. And it says, and when they heard this, at once they left their nets and followed him. Do you know why? I've got a hunch it's like this. Peter says to his brother Andrew, we're doing this. This is the best deal we've got. It's the best deal in town. We're not sticking with this anymore. We're going to do something big with our lives. That's what an Oasis Church is about. It's about each one of us recognizing that we are a piece of walking theology. Look in the mirror. You are a piece of walking theology. Some walking theology is bad theology. It's excluding theology. Other theology, walking theology, is about the generous orthodoxy and inclusion that God brings. That is what we're called to. You look like some great pieces of walking theology. Let's pray. I'd like you to take just a moment to reflect on what you've heard and if through any of it you hear God's voice to you. What is it that God's saying to you? What is it that God's encouraging you about? What is it that God challenges you about?